0: Om parmatma
1: bhagavate vasudevaya Om parmatma bhagavate vasudevaya, vasudevaya. This Is Bhagavad Gita 212 Ma dve baham jachhi samnaatmam yena janadi paha chaibanna bavishya ma sarva eva matha param Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. So this is quite a hefty purport, so I'll read some of it and then give the rest of my own words. Purport by his divine grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, in the Vedas, in the Katha Upanishad as well as the Svetashvatara Upanishad, it is said that the Supreme Personality of God here is the maintainer of innumerable living entities in terms of their different situations according to the individual work and reaction of work. That Supreme Personality of Godhead is also, by his plenary portions, alive in the heart of every living entity. Only saintly persons who can see within and without is okay? yeah. <clears throat> Only saintly persons who can see within and without that same Supreme Lord can actually attain to perfect and eternal peace. This is from Katha Upanishad. Nityo nityanam Cetanas Caitana Nam Eko Bahuta Bahunam Yo Veda Dati Kamam Pam Atmasamya Nupasyamtid Ras <clears> Tesham Shanti Shashpatine <clears> Tadesham. <throat> the same Vedic truth given to Arjuna is given to all persons in the world who pose themselves as very learned but factually have a poor fund of knowledge. The Lord says clearly that He Himself, Arjuna, and all the kings who are assembled on the battlefield are eternally individual living beings, both in their condition and in their liberated situations. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Supreme Individual Person, and Arjuna, the Lord's eternal associate, and all the kings assembled there, are individual eternal persons. It is not that they exist as individuals in the past, and it is not that they will not remain, it is not that they did not exist as individuals in the past, and it is not that they will not remain eternal persons. Their individuality existed in the past, and their individuality will continue in the future without interruption. Therefore, there is no cause for lamentation for anyone. Prabhupada's long purports in the Bhagavad Gita are usually an indication that this is a verse where the Mayavadis have gone to town with the mental gymnastics to try to erase either the Supreme Personality of Godhead or the individuality of the living entity. And so whenever you find yourself reading Bhagavad Gita and you go into a purport that's real long, you have a look at it and you can see Prabhupada's is arguing against Mayavadis and if you go back and read Previous Bhagavad Gita commentaries that were very popular, you'll find that's the verse where they went to town on. This is one of those verses. Never was there a time when I nor all nor you nor all of these kings did not exist, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. So in this verse Prabhupada very strongly makes the point that individual identity is eternal. Because Krishna clearly says, there was never a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor any of these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Now, it is an observed fact that, you know, this body did not exist before the birth of this body. So when Krishna is saying, you know, you and everyone else here, he can't be talking about the material body because it's an observable fact that this body did not exist and it will cease to exist. So therefore, he cannot be speaking about the body. So if he's saying that, never was there a time when you did not exist, nor I, nor all of these kings, he must be talking about something other than the body. And he says, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. So the Mayavadis, to explain this, they have to say that, yeah, you don't cease to exist, but your individual existence does cease at liberation. But here Krishna has said, said, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. And he's distinctly identified each of the different living entities, you, me, everyone else. So the Mayavadis, in their explanation of this, they say, well, Krishna has again gone to a, um, he's speaking on two levels here. He's speaking on the bodily level, like saying, you, me, everyone else, that's referring to the bodies. But when he talks about existence, we exist in the past. And will exist in the future, that's spiritual. So existence is eternal, but individual identity is not. That is their argument. And they have to do mental gymnastics with this verse. Because in this verse, Krishna talks about both of those things. He talks about eternal existence, and he also talks about individual existence. So the Mayavadis have to chop the verse in half, and say that half of it is on the bodily conception of life, and the other half of it is talking about the spiritual Nature of the living entities. So his purport says they have to do so many mental gymnastics to try to make this work. But both existence and individuality is eternal. But this individual existence and identity as Sigapati Dash is not eternal. There was a time when it did not exist, and there will be a time in the future when this physical material body ceases to exist. I'm reading a book at the moment called "Tough Times Don't Last, Tough People Do" with my mother and my nephew, and uh, it's written by a Christian pastor called Richard Robert Schuller. And in, last night he was talking about self-confidence. So in my commentary on the verse, because we or the section that we read, because we do sixty seconds of commentary every day, I said people often are concerned about self-confidence. Like, how many people here? Think about self-confidence, deal with self-confidence, lack self-confidence, experience yourself as not having self-confidence. You know, it's just part of the human existence, right? We all experience that. And generally where people will go to in dealing with that is they'll go to the confidence part. And they'll think, only I was more confident. If I could be more confident, I need to be more confident. I'm not confident enough. Very rarely people are like, man, I'm too confident. I'm overconfident. That's... Usually know what people are dealing with, right? But people will usually go to the confidence part of it and very infrequently will they go to the self part of self-confidence. And so they'll spend their entire life lacking confidence, lacking self-confidence, struggling with trying to have enough self-confidence and wondering why they don't have enough and will they really not have enough. No, you will not. <laughs> not until you address the self that is trying to have confidence. You know, like if I say that I'm cold, who is speaking when I say that? When I say I'm cold, who is speaking? Speaking the body. The body is speaking. I am not cold. The body is cold. The body is experiencing cold. If I say something like, my body feels cold right now, who is speaking then? Something that's not the body at any rate, right? It's something that is the possessor of the body. This is my body. Who is the I that says my body? It cannot be the body because you don't say this is the body's body. No, you say this is my body. Who is the I who is speaking when I say this is my body? Could it be the mind? It's the mind speaking, right? But I have a mind and I change my mind all the time. Actually, I don't change my mind my mind changes all the time, and I experience that. <laughs> and if I'm identifying with the mind, then I go, I changed my mind. No, the mind changes all the time. At the beginning of the Yoga Sutra, Patanjali says, Yogas chitta vritti nerota. The goal of yoga is to cease the fluctuations of the mind. I don't know how practical that is. My experience of it is the mind is always doing its thing, and the best you can do is align it rather than try to stop it, channel it. Let the mind flow towards the lotus feet of Shri Krishna like the rivers flow into the ocean. That is Bhakti Yoga. So who is the I that is speaking? Who is the I that wants to be confident? You know, we're like trying to get confidence, but we don't look at what is the self that is trying to be confident. When you understand that you're part and parcel of Krishna, do you know how confident you become? It's like a little kid on the playground, and he's a real small kid, and the other kid's there, and he's like scared I'm going to get bullied or something like that. If that kid tries to be self-confident, the best they're going to be able to do is probably to be delusional. Because the other kids are much more physically stronger, capable, there's more of them, so, you know, that kind of confidence will be there. Now, on the other hand, if that kid has their dad there with them and they're like, hey, I might not be able to do this, but my dad can take like all of them at once, he's <laughs> gonna be very confident. And his confident is gonna confidence is gonna be based in reality. So you know when you misidentify yourself as the material body, you'll not be very confident, and with good reason. You identify yourself as the mind, you should be even less confident. <laughs> the mind is even more difficult to control than the physical body is. You know, when you identify yourself as the soul, as part and parcel of Krishna, then you will be very confident. You have nothing to fear in all of the three worlds. First of all, you are indestructible. The material body can be destroyed, but you cannot. You cannot be killed. You were killed before, and now you're back. And when you die, you'll be back again. You're unstoppable. And then here you are in Krishna consciousness. Krishna has not forgotten you. He will not forget you in your next life. You will be back, and you will be a devotee. You have nothing to fear. Do you know how confident that makes you? It's ridiculous. (laughs) Now you actually seem like you're delusional, right? To, To the normal mass of people. But they are delusional. They think they are the body and the mind. That is a delusion. When you understand that you are the servant of Krishna, then you understand reality, and you'll be very confident. So who is speaking in this verse? Krishna says, Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all of these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Who is Krish- Who is speaking, and who is Krishna speaking about? What do you think? I just read in Bhagavatam a couple of days ago that when they talk about a king, they talk about the king of the body, who's sort of in charge of their own, I guess, in charge of their own senses. Yes. Um, and all of you kings, is talking about each individual inside. You know, the king of this. Oh, the, the, yeah. 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 yeah, Krishna says this later in Bhagavad Gita. He says that the, the, the body is like a city with nine gates. Like yeah. yeah, and the soul is the king of the city. So he's talking about the soul. He's not talking about the individual material bodies that are there. Because there was a time when those bodies didn't exist. And there will be a time in the future when those bodies, and when I say those bodies, I mean these bodies. This conversation that Krishna is having with Arjuna is eternal, and we are included in it. It's happening live. So, who is speaking is the eternal soul. In fact, the eternal super soul. And who he is speaking to is the immortal soul within the body of each of the people present on the battlefield. Arjuna, the kings. That is who is speaking. That is who he is speaking to. The Mayavadi idea that, you know, he's like switching between the body and the soul. That's what we do from day to day all the time, right? One minute we're spiritual, the next one, I'm cold. I changed my mind about coming to the thing, you know, now I'm not going to do it. It's like the mind changed and hmm. you thought you were the mind, so you went with it. You know, But the real power of the Aryans is in their speaking rather than in their thinking. They give their word to something, you know, Bhishma Dave, he gave his word to never getting married and never having children. Do you think that Bhishma Dave had a few thoughts about getting married and having kids along the way? Of course he did. He's a human being. But he said that he would not do it, and so therefore he did not do it. So it is the speaking. So this is the access to yourself is through your speaking. As you distinguish yourself from your body and your mind, in your speaking you will exist as the spirit soul. And if you study the speaking very carefully in the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam, you'll find that. Like in the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, to complete this. Um, this is covered in Devamrita Swami's book, Perfect Escape. King Rahugana meets Jad Bharat. Jad Bharat was a transcendentalist, but he'd been born in a very strong, capable body. But he was wandering about as an avaduta, a person who doesn't wash himself. Just without any social considerations, you know, wearing maybe a loincloth, maybe naked. Anyway, he's just wandering around in this way. And the king's coming along with his uh, palaquin, and then the king's assistants or servants are carrying the palanquin, but they're one man short. And then they see Bharat and so the supervisors, like, grab that guy, press gang him into the king's service. So they put Bharat on the palaquin carrying the king. So they're all wa- walking, marching, and step. But Judd Burrat is looking at the ground and he sees some ants and he's trying not to stand on them, so he's walking out of time with everyone else. So the king is like, "What is going on here?" And then the supervisor is like, "Oh, we got this new guy and like he's like a retard, like he's like <laughs> he can't do it." And the king's just sarcastically saying to him, like, "Yeah, you probably have like so much trouble carrying this pelican because you're so skinny, right? You know, because you're not strong enough." Um, you know, you don't have enough strength to carry it and Jad Bharat is obviously um, super strong as material body as anyone and So when Jad Bharat answers him Jad Bharat says yes, my king you are correct for the soul is neither strong nor weak And so who is speaking is not the material body Jad Bharat does not identify himself as the material body and while the king was speaking sarcastically and you know, saying the opposite of what is true about his body, Judd Bharat turned it to say, what you've said is correct. I'm not strong. The, the soul is neither weak nor strong. Now the king, because he had been, he's twice born Aryan, so he was raised in the Gurukula along with the Brahmanas. The Brahmanas and the Kshatriyas, they go to the same Gurukula together. They get the same education. Then when the Chatriyas become kings, they have Brahmin advisors in their court. So he's hearing people talk like this all the time. He could recognize this person as a Transcendentalist. He could recognize it from the speaking. So he got down out of his palanquin and offered his obeisances to Jabba. <laughs> from his speaking he could hear Who this person considers their self to be. This person does not consider themselves to be the body, He's a Transcendentalist. So he got out and gave his obeisances. So Krishna says, Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Krishna is speaking to all of us. But he is not speaking to the material body. He is speaking to that immortal, eternal, indestructible, indivisible, immutable soul within the body. That is who you are. And there was never a time when you did not exist. Nor in the future shall you cease to be. You cannot be killed. You cannot be destroyed. You cannot be cut by weapons. You cannot be moistened by water or withered by the wind. You were gone before and now you're back. And when this body dies, you'll be back again. Masutraha, you have nothing to fear. Krishna is the protector of his devotees. That is real self-confidence. And it all relies on, not confidence, but what you consider the self to be jai krishna chaitanya hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare hare